0: self-published author and digital marketer Paul Teague.
1: Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys episode number 100 for Monday the 29th of January 2018. Today's guest is Carissa Andrews, a Minnesota-based genre-bending author who writes a combination of science fiction, fantasy and dystopia. Her first novel, Pendemus, was the first of a three-part series and was first published in 2013. Four years later, Polarities, Book 2 of the Pendamus Chronicles was released and Revolutions Book 3 was released at the end of 2017. Carissa is also a freelance graphic designer, writer and content creator, social media manager and marketing professional. She writes consistently on topics of science, technology, art, writing, photography, graphic design, health, self-improvement and more. When we chatted for the podcast, I began by asking Carissa why she first started writing, with so many other varied things going on in her life.
2: I probably originally started writing back in like middle school, um, and actually novels. So I have I have some uh, old manuscripts that are still sitting in my closet, actually, from like way back in like eighth grade, <laughs> sixth grade. Um, so it kind of it's always been there, but when I decided to kind of shift my career from working for someone else to being more of a freelance graphic designer and writer. Um, really, honestly, it was just kind of, it, it went alongside everything I was already doing. And I've just had so many ideas and cool storylines and worlds in my head that I, it, it kind of was never an option to ignore it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when you wrote those stories in middle school, what, what were they? Short stories, uh, books, and what kind of genre were you writing when you were younger?
2: Uh, When I was younger, I always loved like the Christopher Pikes and the Earl Stein, like the Fear Street, old school Fear Street, not not Goosebumps. Um, So this story, well, the stories that I wrote were very similar along those veins where it's like, you know, a a young girl who is like nine years old learns that she's a witch or um, different things like that where there's kind of that occult slash um, mystery slash paranormal thing going on. And that kind of just pulls all the way through even to the things that I've been writing now. And
1: from that time, did you actually stop writing? Would you, We all have to go off and get a day job eventually. Did you actually stop writing then or were you always scribbling?
2: Um, I've always kind of scribbled on and off. Usually it would be more like um, short stories or poems or things like that. So when I went to, to college, that was kind of my thing that I would do on the side. So I mean, you're still writing for college anyway, writing papers and writing whatever. And I went to, to um, college for an interdisciplinary studies degree, which actually was kind of geared more towards archaeology at the time. And so I was learning about ancient art and history and uh, literature. And so it kind of played off of the things that I was interested in writing about as well as reading and learning about. Um, but I didn't incorporate it into stories at that time i think it was just too much of a, a big bite to to chew on so i i just dabbled and, and did little pieces here and there and eventually it kind of rolled into blogs and being able to put kind of thoughts out there in ether about whatever i was learning or thinking about
1: and in those pre-publication days were you ever aspiring to go in for competitions or get stuff published or was it just for your own uh, pleasure
2: nope it was just for me it was i i in fact i have a lot of authors who i am friends with um both locally and out on the internet <laughs> and they're you know they're constantly sending me competitions to try out and and that's really honestly never been my interest for for me writing has always been about whatever is really kind of hanging around in my psyche the things that play on my mind and and i kind of want resolved or i'd be interested in like reading about or experiencing or any of those things. So, no, I, w- I was never much of a, a contest contest dabbler at all.
1: And what about the world of work? You said you went to college and you alluded, I think, to the fact that you may have had a, a conventional day job going into the office kind of affair. Yeah. Is, is that how it played out for you?
2: It did. Um, well, originally I went to school, like I said, for archaeology and it kind of transformed a little bit into that interdisciplinary studies type thing. And at the time, so I've I've always had a a love of books. My first job was in a bookstore. My second job was in a bookstore (laughs) and um, didn't uh, overly come home with a whole lot of money. But, you know, hey, when you're spending all your money on books and magazines, that's kind of what happens. Um, But then when I was um, going to college, I ended up deciding to go to work full time. And the, the job I ended up taking was actually in a uh, publishing house. So it's a big publishing house in the middle of Minnesota. It's called Advanced Star Communications. And I was I became a, a production manager for five different magazines. So I helped um, put things together for the magazines, worked with the editorial staff, worked with the advertising staff to create the layouts and get everything ready. Um, I was actually the first of that crew because I, at the time I was pretty young and computer, <laughs> this is how old I am now though, the, the computer to plate technology was just coming out. So digital was just coming out. Oh, really? And so, mm. yeah, yeah. So back in 2000 and well, probably 2000 is when I was uh, in this whole field of it and that the production managers that were there had no idea they were all print so I mean they were working with films and and oh my gosh all these crazy things and I was the first production manager in that production house to go computer to plate and work with digital technology so
1: wow it, it feels feels so funny to discuss uh, ancient history being the year 2000 yeah. doesn't it it's incredible yeah
2: it is it's crazy <laughs> yeah.
1: so um that's really good experience though isn't it being involved in that publishing oh, yeah. environment I bet you're grateful for that now aren't you
2: Absolutely. And it, it translated right into like, as I continued onward, I ended up working for printers. So I worked on the, the front end for printers and doing stuff like that. And and eventually I got my graphic design degree. So for me, it just kind of, it all just wrapped up into like one big gigantic publishing bow. <laughs> so it worked out pretty well.
1: At what point then did you think to yourself, okay, I don't want a day job anymore. I want to try something different.
2: Um, I think it kind of, I, the inklings of it really started playing out very early on. It was probably around the time when my first son was born, which would have been two thousand and five. Um, but I really didn't I guess embrace it as like the way the way I was gonna move forward until my second son was born just in two thousand fourteen. So it was like that two thousand thirteen to two thousand fourteen timeframe where I was like, okay, between publishing and uh doing freelance, this is this is now going to be my way forward. I'm I'm no longer gonna be tied to an office (laughs) anymore,
1: so. that Going into entrepreneurship, though, is quite a leap when you've had day jobs. Did having a family uh, enable you to kind of make that job, make that transition?
2: I think it did. For me, it was also nice because my my son was born in December of 2014, so it was almost like I kind of transitioned from working that day job to going on kind of like a maternity leave, but even though it was not a maternity leave. I didn't spend a whole lot of time just kind of sitting around. I was like, I had my son, my son was home with me and I kind of went straight into, okay, what, what kind of clients could I work with while he's laying down? What kind of clients could I take on to, to do something when he's playing nicely over there? Things like that. And it just kind of has grown from there. He's now three. And, um, in fact, today is his very first day at preschool. So he's off right now. He's, he's gone, but, um, so it was it, it kind of just snowballed it started with little things here and there and kind of grew from that point.
1: Okay, so writing, it's been in the background all this time since you were very young. When did the 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 day job, the new day job which is working at home and being more flexible as a freelancer, when did you then start to think okay, time time to get writing again?
2: Oh, my um it was probably in 2015 when my some was finally getting a little bit more self-sufficient, obviously, as he's getting a little bit older. It was like I, I knew I needed to get back into the, the novel because my first novel was published in 2013. And I had the second novel sitting there waiting. And I, I had dabbled on it here and there when I found time, but I hadn't really pushed on it. And it was at that point then where it was like, OK, I, I either need to you know pu- push myself further into like at the time there were a lot of different um, online courses and, and things that were, were going. So I, w- I was looking into, okay, should I start an online course? Should I um, talk to other people about this sort of thing? And and I kind of got it off and running a little bit, but decided ultimately it was not, it, it didn't feel right. It was like, that was not the piece I wanted to, to really go down. And from that point on, I switched back to to writing the the novels and it was like, boom, boom, boom. Everything kind of clicked right back into place. I got the the last two books of the, the trilogy I was working on finished and um and then last year i published them back to back so that those two could be completed and all the set is complete so that was so i, I finished it and wrapped everything up for the, the second book in late 2016 finished and wrapped up everything for the third book in early 2017 and then cleared everything up and got them both published at the end of the year
1: just to clarify then was the first one published before the the, the others went or did you publish them all together
2: Nope. The first one was published originally in 2013. So that one, yeah. it was like, I had the idea for it back in 2010. It was just one of those things where lightning struck. And I was like, this whole world kind of landed in my head. And I was like, I have to, for whatever reason, tell this story of this girl. And um, so Pendamas came about right away. I, I started working on it. The, the book itself probably only took me six months to write but I wrote a lot more than necessary and that was obviously my first true attempt at a novel so it was it was a learning process and learning curve and so much went on with it but so between 2000 and late 2010 and 2013 I I published that book and then it kind of waffled around until 2000 and well 16 I guess
1: so. But you with the second two did you wait till they were both finished until you published to, to do the trilogy that's
2: no, the the first book was out there. It yes. was just kind of sitting there by itself, and then the the last two, yes, I yes. published
1: them. Boom, boom, right next to each other. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, that. So, I think that takes quite a lot of patience when you've got a book like Book Two, all good and ready to go. And right. <laughs> I think yeah. That, I think that takes quite a lot of self discipline actually to hang mm. on to that. I think you've done very well.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was one of those things. And I, I don't know I, when I back when I did them back to back. I'll tell you, I, during that process, I was like, I'm never going to do that ever <laughs> again. Mm. <laughs> It was it was very uh time consuming and hair pulling and there was a lot going on and oh my gosh yeah so it was it was crazy i think i'd like a little a little bit more of a gap maybe a couple of months instead of a month between the two <laughs> but it was fun well
1: let's drill down a little bit into the the dreaded first book because this is the first time you take the the author journey and you right. set out and you're not really quite sure often that you're even going to finish the thing and even whether it's going to get published. So so what was that? You, you, you seem to have a fully formed idea and something that you're quite anxious to get out onto the page, and it, it took you six months to write it. What was that first book experience like for you? Did it come easy? Was it hard? Did you struggle?
2: Uh, no, it actually came really easy. In fact, the majority of the book probably came in the first month because I started it, it I got the idea in October. And so then I kind of mapped, I, I took that October to map out what I was kind of perceiving this world to be like and the creatures and the um, the girl and, and kind of her situation that was going to happen. And then National Novel Writing Month took over. So I, I dove straight into nano NanoWriteMo that year in 2010 and got the majority of it. I actually won Nano NanoWriteMo, 50,000 words hit the page that month, and um, I continued onward but it did still, it was in that tweaking process then. It was like, after National Novel Writing Month was finished, I was like, okay, now I can slow down a little bit. I can kind of, you know, tweak it a little more. I can mess with it a little bit here. And I was actually writing two different perspectives. So for me, at the time, I wasn't quite sure which chapters were going to be um, my main character, Runa's, or in which chapters were going to be Traitan's, which is the, um, I guess, sub, sub-character, but he's he's pretty cool too. And there were a lot of overlapping chapters where I, I visualized it from both sides to try to figure out which um, version would be better where I didn't have that process. Then with the next two, I I, was like, I knew exactly, but by that point I knew exactly who was going to tell which part of the story. And um, so I, it was much more of a pantser with the first one for sure. And the last two, I, I was a lot more, I mean, I still pantsed it a little bit with the last two because I wanted to leave it open to creativity a bit, but I had, I did actually have my outline down and I knew what was going to have to take place.
1: Now, the funny thing is, is that when you started writing the first book in 2010, uh, that's seven years ago now. And that's quite a long time yeah. in self-publishing in, in terms of self-publishing. So right. what what was it like then? Were you writing, was Scrivener around? Were you writing in Word? How, how did you produce it? Um, actually, the physical process of producing it?
2: Right. I Actually, um, Scrivener came into it a little bit afterwards. I was using, I think it was called StoryMill originally, like way back in the day. And it's very similar to Scrivener, but Scrivener has a a lot better capabilities when it comes to the output um, and exporting. So I I ended up switching a little bit later on. And then now with the the app, I'm just like in love. Mm. (laughs) So it works out so well for me. Um, I've never been a word person because my brain just doesn't operate in like one big long Uh, And I know that there are ways to be able to shift it around, be able to um, get like tables of contents and whatnot. But for me, it was like at that particular moment, I I needed something that was a little bit more um, capable of being able to go back and forth into chapters and into scenes really quickly without having to find it or trying to do a search or anything like that. So it was nice to be able to to write in programs that are a little more capable.
1: What was the self-publishing process like? Now I know mean, you've got them on on Barnes and Noble and Kobo and iBooks now, but did you go yep. straight for for Amazon or did you always go wide from the 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 get go?
2: Uh, I went wide with the first book, and then I ended up pulling it back to just Amazon for a while to see if that made a difference. Um, but I really didn't I didn't want to market it a whole lot at the time because it was like I knew that the the next two books needed to be out there before I could really do a marketing push and try to really make a difference with readership and try to to hook people on there. And so it it was kind of, I think, in my head, I had a a mindset of, okay, well, until the other two books are finished, uh, I'm not going to really do a whole lot. And when it was time to, to publish these next two, I was talking to a lot of different bloggers and trying to figure out, should I go wide? Should I stay on just Amazon? And I think for them that there was such a wide range of what they wanted that it ultimately made the decision for me. That even if I, even if the majority of my readers come from Amazon, at least um, I'm still catering to those people who don't want to be on that particular platform. So it just,
1: I it made sense this time around. I've written three trilogies and I feel your pain because the yeah. trilogies are brilliant to sell when you've got the three done. But it takes right. so darn long to get the three. <laughs> it's, it's like right. you got to write three books, for goodness sake.
2: <laughs> yep. Yep. And it gets a little bit crazy, doesn't it? It's, especially when you have like three books where you want them all tied together and you want, you know, those Easter eggs to be, I guess, found at some point. And if, if someone's reading the first book, you know, three, three or four years earlier, they're, they're not going to remember what in the world was going on. They'd have to read it all over again. And yeah, I hear, I hear you.
1: And I'm convinced you see trilogies. I think they're wonderful to market when you've got the three, uh, because you you could give the first one away for free or at a discount. And then people will, if they enjoy it, obviously, they will buy through and read. So in a free promo, um, there's always that lovely continuity there. And I think it helps to sell more books in the long run. I don't know how you feel about that.
2: I absolutely do. In fact, um, in the Pandamos Chronicles trilogy that I have out there, the the first book, Pandamos is free. It's free on all platforms. And I actually use... Um, the different platforms like InstaFreebie and BookFunnel to my book cave to try to do the same thing where it's like, try to pull readers into the series so that they can learn about it, kind of get used to the characters, get used to my writing style before they decide whether or not the series would be kind of up their alley. And I, I think for for me, it's been transformational this past year just to be able to see not not only the the books being sold, but to be able to see readers actually responding and emailing me. Uh, about you know how they liked the series and and what they liked um, it, it's just been such a, a shift from being you know almost crickets when you release the first book and there's there's really nobody out there to <laughs> to talk to about it. So it's, it's neat. It's a neat process.
1: We'll dig into your marketing strategies a little later. And I want to just ask you a few more questions about that first book, because um, the the first book, as I say, is, is, is a journey. You don't really know where you're stepping out to until you finish that first book. How, how, how rough was it when you'd finished it? How much editing and polishing did it need?
2: Oh my gosh. That first book, it was, it was quite a a beast. Mm. (laughs) I think I put, I think I put down over a hundred thousand words and, I hired two editors. I had um, three teacher editors. So people who are my friends who are teachers and they they do that for a living for their students, which is obviously a different kind of editing. But um, and we parsed it back to I think it was something like 72,000 words into Pandamus. And even even now, looking back, that's probably still my roughest book where it flows much through that learning curve the next two flow so much better and the editing process was so much quicker I, I knew what I was looking for I knew what I was trying to write where in the first book it was like like I said I was more of a panther I didn't didn't quite have um, a full idea of where these characters were taking me and in a sense I almost didn't even want to constrain them because I wanted to see kind of where, where this world was going to lead and what was going to happen. And I, I was writing it right along with anybody else who was reading it. So it, it was more of a process to really get it polished and to get the, the read down the way I wanted it and to, to learn some of the different tips and techniques on how to write uh, for a, a world like that where you, you could immerse the, the reader instead of trying to tell them to. It was, it was definitely a, a process.
1: You've got lovely eye-catching covers. Did you do those yourself? Because I know you've got graphic design skills.
2: I did, actually. Yep. And the the first one, I love. The second two, I, I had to like, because I was publishing them both back to back. It was like, I, I threw them together. I was like, hoping for the best. And I, I'm still not entirely 100% happy with them. But we'll get there. I think I'll probably end up doing a relaunch with with the covers, at least at some point down the road. But not yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, when you yeah. are a graphic designer, then when you can do these things for yourself, what what kind of tools do you use to make those covers and, and the three D? Are you a Photoshop person, or do you use something else for it?
2: Yep, I'm a Photoshop person, um, but I still use other uh, platforms to be able to do little things here and there. So, I still use things like Canva at at times. Um, I'll use Illustrator to create some of the elements if I'm not finding what I need. But definitely, I'm definitely a, an Adobe Adobe fan right now, and playing with other platforms out there when I get the chance.
1: Okay. So uh, we had a quite a big gap between book one and book two. And actually, before I ask you this question, I should say to you, when did you just hear crickets when you released book one? Was was there any, was it just really quiet? It
0: it was,
2: it was more like there was a flurry of activity when it first launched because I had two book tours that um, were going on. And there was a lot of like different little things that were happening and at the time book tours were a much bigger thing than they are now and so it was it was fun there were a lot of a lot of different bloggers who were on the tours and then i think once the tours died down that that's when everything kind of went silent mm-hmm. you know for a little bit and you just kind of go okay and i i knew and again i knew that i wasn't going to push it marketing wise like a super ton until i knew for sure when book 2 was coming out and then it just kind of for me even got put to the wayside until I knew for sure the next ones were coming.
1: How then did it feel to make that first money online? I, I always think, they always say that once you've earned your first dollar online, you've just got to repeat that, that the most difficult thing is earning the first dollar. So how how did that feel with the first money, however, however small it may have been then, started to yeah. come in?
2: That was pretty awesome. I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm doing this with stuff that I've done. It's not, you know, I'm not writing for someone else I'm not trying to design something for someone else and it was like this is really really cool people and people are actually liking it I think for me though that the best feeling is when you get that email from someone letting you know how much that book that they've read is sticking with them or or whatever so for me even more than the money it, it's it's been the comments that I've gotten which are really cool.
1: So there was quite a gap then between book one and then the the rapid release of books two and three. How much was that? Uh, how much did that bother you uh, during during that gap? How much were you itching to just get on and finish the story?
2: Um, I think it was more itching in that last year and a, a little bit because during most of 2017 I, I was busy. It was it was getting everything prepped, get every, getting everything marketed, getting everything set up and trying as many different things as I possibly could to see what worked and what didn't um, because the the scene for self-publishing has changed so much even since Pandamas originally came out So when book book uh, one came out it was you know a much quieter scene a lot of people were more more or less just doing the, the book tours and kind of getting it out in, in whatever best way they could through social media Facebook it was probably a little bit more um, helpful than it is now mm. <laughs> without having to pay for it. And uh, so it this this time around, though, there were so many different things that were different where people are doing, like we said, the Insta freebies and the, the book funnels and um, using platforms like BookBub and whatnot to get their, their word out there where they didn't exist in that, that first book realm. So it's, it, it, I don't know, it's different.
1: And how were you when you came to Books 2 and 3 as a writer? Did you feel older and wiser then? <laughs> Definitely older <laughs>
2: um, wiser, yes, when it comes to like the writing aspect, I think I was a lot more um, mature in the the way that I handled it and kind of went about it I, yeah it was it was a lot more organized and a lot more thought went into how I wanted to portray the characters and how I wanted to get everything done, and a lot more thought I guess went into that the marketing aspect side of it as
1: well and what were you thinking then as you were writing the books of the marketing strategy? for these bearing in mind of course when you when you got the third book you really had got a, um, a, a marketing super tool there with with a trilogy i think
2: right i during the writing process because it had been so long since panamas was originally launched i just i don't think i really thought much about how i was going to do it i just knew i was going to start the process um, at least 6 months prior to their release so as i was wrapping up the, the editing process for the books um, I, I was then shifting my gears from editing to now okay now I'm gonna start putting on my marketing hat and try to figure this out so it really during the writing process it didn't it didn't play a role in my head at all at least with this first trilogy it probably will more so now just based off of what I've learned this past year and everything that i've I've been doing and and incorporating and finding out what worked and what didn't. So it'll be different as I move forward with the next books this year.
1: I'm going to dig into the marketing a little bit, but I want to talk about your freelance work because uh, as I was, I always have a little dig around online before we chat and, and, and look yep. at your, your web presence and see what you're up to. And I noticed that um, being on Upwork, which um, I'm trying to remember what it used to be called. I used to use it in my internet marketing career. I think it was something else Upwork, wasn't it? Elance. Yep, Elance.
2: Elance. That's the one, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's the one, um, which I, I've, I've used a lot in the past to, to find, um, you know, people to do work for me. I was just looking right. at you, you, you. You've got um, you know a lot, a lot of jobs done on there. A lot of two thousand four hundred and fifty three hours worked on there. So yep. this clearly forms quite a big part of your uh, your author lifestyle. Your and your the way that you earn as well alongside uh, your books. Just tell me about Upwork sure. and how that works for you, if you would.
2: Um, it works really great, actually. When the the freelance stuff kind of fell in my lap, we were. It was just a dabble. I wasn't originally like even thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to switch and do this as a career in the very onset. And it was Elam's back in in that day. Um, but we, we knew we were trying to buy a house and we wanted to start saving up some extra money for the down payment. And so that's kind of where the concept of it started. And then as I started gaining more clients and people started working with me more, it kind of just kind of expanded from that point forward. So for me, it, it, it's kind of as a daily struggle. It's trying to find that balance between okay, what hours am I going to work on my stuff, and what hours am I going to work on other people's stuff, and then having to almost uh, put on the like the that I, I don't want to say male male brain, but kind of where the guys can like dissect and you know compartmentalize everything. I have to do that myself. I have to go. Okay, this hour is just mine. It's not anybody else's. It's not for you know, Upwork, it's not for any of my clients, it's for me, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to sprint this whole hour, or whatever the case might be. But with Upwork, it's it's been instrumental to being able to do that and have that freedom that throughout the day, I can take that hour and, and just do nothing but write or do nothing but uh, work on a book cover or whatever the, the case might be.
1: And I wanted to mention this particularly, because a lot of people when they, they want to start writing, and often they have day jobs, so they need to take often a a leap of faith away from a day job but um, you've obviously done very well on Upwork um, which is it's it's like don't think of it like Fiverr but but uh, most people will know Fiverr in that you pay Mm -hmm. very small amounts for very small jobs Upwork is a a much more professional site where you pay a proper rate for some proper work but uh, (laughs) you're you're, you're getting professionals uh, uh, and paying a professional rate on Upwork Um, you know I I used to get coders and designers and, and things like that from Upwork and you pay a proper rate it's not a Cheap rate like Fiverr is, um, right. but but you know you clearly are making a, a good living from that, and I and I'm just keen to to share it with other authors because if you have got skills like you have, I mean I'm just looking at the jobs here, people getting flyers and uh, content, and you've done some ghostwriting. writing. Um, it's a great way to find work if you give up the formal day job. Oh, absolutely, yep,
2: and oftentimes, at least from what I found, I'm making more money doing the freelance work in less time than i was trying to to work at a, a conventional job in my local like small town because jobs are limited and you have to kind of pick and choose and and i'm able to do the the types of work that i love and i'm to the point now where you know if if something comes in and i don't really want to do that particular job i can say no to it and, and move on to the next one and try to figure out you know is this client a a good fit for me and it's more up to me then instead of oh, really, I don't want to have to do that particular project that my boss is handing over to me. And it's just been, I guess, life-changing in that that sense, definitely.
1: Mm, it's a fascinating model. And if, if you are one of those authors who's thinking, how am I going to keep the money coming in while I'm trying to get this writing going? I I urge you to look at something like Upwork. As I I used to use it when it was called Elance. It's been Upwork for a couple of years ago now, but I always had wonderful experiences with it. I built a whole software product from somebody I met on Elance, and we we went on to develop a very good relationship, building other things together. It was it was wonderful, and the the payments are secure. So you get paid, and I I know that you're going to do the work. uh, You know before I actually pay you, it's held in escrow. I think isn't it on on Upwork? So, yep. so it's been good from your point of view too. I assume you get paid for oh, yeah. the work you do. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I've never. Luckily for me, I've never run into any clients that are kind of sketchy at all. I mean, Upwork has been so great. In fact, um, the platform itself, even. I mean, the people are are phenomenal. I lost my my brother to brain cancer in um, 2016, and when they found out at Upwork, they actually sent flowers to my house. Like the team of Upwork sent flowers to
0: my wow, house. That's incredible
2: yeah i mean they're they're a fantastic platform but then beyond that i mean they're they're really great people behind the scenes running this this place so it's it's a really great platform and i I definitely back you up a hundred percent I encourage people to to give it a try and see what kind of um positions and jobs are listed out there because there there are a lot some of them ranging from like really quick small jobs all the way up to like working long-term if you want to have a, a long-term relationship with a client and where you're getting consistent income every week for you know the foreseeable future you can do that as well i mean it's it's great
1: yeah so um, i just i wanted to mention that because you're the first author i've known who's who's really taken something like upwork seriously but it's a great way i think of stepping out away from a, a job at the job security and knowing that you've got something um coming in you're an excellent example of that so so well done yeah. on making that work it's great it's good to see that. Thank you. Now you mentioned earlier. I'm going to dig into the marketing now because you're also very good at marketing, which is, of course, what you're selling on Upwork, which is why <laughs> you're doing some on Upwork. But um, you mentioned something a little bit earlier when we were speaking that I'd not heard of before. Uh, my Book Cave, I think it was. Can you tell me what mm-hmm. that is? I've never heard of that at all.
2: It's it's a lot like um, Insta Freebie or Book Funnel. It's it's a website that's where you can post your. Um, you can do it in two different ways. You can post your, your assets. So uh, like, for instance, my first book, Pandamas, is out there as um, a lead magnet. And so you put it out there. They kind of give you your own uh, landing page. People can then go, oh, I'd like to learn about that book or I'd like to download that book. Then you get their email address in exchange. So it's a, it's, a, it's also a list building situation for authors. So they get the book for free. You get their email. And then it gets um, automatically sent over to whatever email platform you use, whether it's MailChimp or MailerLite or whatever. And um, from that point forward, then you have this relationship. You're able to, to kind of communicate with with that person, assuming that they want to stay on your list. But you can also do, um, I think they're called retailer giveaways or retailer specials or something, where you can put your your books out there on whatever platforms are also on. So if they're on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um you know, Kobo, whatever, you can put your, your retail sales links out there. And if you're going to have a sale or if you're going to have your book discounted for a certain period of time, you can pay them a really like, it's tiny, like a tiny little fee. I, I want to say it's something like $15 or $20. It's really, really manageable. And then what they'll do is they'll send out um, to the, their entire email list uh, that your book is on sale. It It's almost like a book club in a sense in that way. So it goes out to their entire email list, your book is featured in their newsletter, it's also featured on their website, and then you get obviously more downloads, hypothetically, one would hope, <laughs> more downloads, more sales, um, and so it's, it's really great. That Book Rebel is very similar to that as well, um, so that's another good one for people to check out as well, Book Rebel, and they, they work very similarly.
1: Right, well, I've I've just got that up on the screen so that I, I've got a promo coming up. So I'm going to give that a try. I've, never, I've heard of Book Rebel, but I've never heard of Book Cave. So it's amazing that I there are still sites out there that we haven't heard of, isn't it? But
2: I know. I keep finding them all the time, and I'm like, oh, that's that's great.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'll have that. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to I'm to a little promo on there.
2: <laughs> I, I have a spreadsheet with all these things on there. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. Thank you very much for that. Uh, now your, no your your website is lovely. It's uh, I think it is a um, an excellent example of what an author website should be in that it's got all your books on there, you're on social media, you've got you've even very impressively got a press room, which is something that I think many authors miss. So could you just talk us through your strategy with your website? Because I, I do think it's a good one to look at as a model.
2: Oh my gosh, it's kind of gone back and forth. It's so weird because when, when I was first kind of doing the freelance work, I had two different websites. I had my freelance website and I had my author website and I felt like I was being split in two. And eventually I was like, you know what? This is just nonsense. I'm just going to like combine it all and I'm just going to have it's just me. It's me who I am because I I ha- I do a lot of weird things. I do graphic design, I do marketing, I do whatever. And so it was like trying to separate them all just kind of was doing my head in. So I before uh Book 2 and Book 2 and 3 were out, I ended up like revamping the whole website, making sure everything was in one place. People could find me if they wanted to to hire me, they could find me if they wanted to look at my books, they could Take a look at everything that I'm doing, or get get information. And um, I think it was actually probably about June that I redid everything again, so that the, the three books were out there, it was visible. Uh, the press room was added because I, I was taking a, a course by um, Kathleen Gage. Actually, she she was she's a really neat author. She's a more of a nonfiction author, but she does courses for authors um, learning to effectively market their stuff. And while I didn't take much of her much away from her courses that was one of them that I think was um very instrumental and and helpful Uh, I have a lot of local media that I work with and it's easy to just be able to point them to uh my my press room and they're able to pull off what they need to pull off so
1: yeah I think it's I think it's a trick that a lot of authors miss I worked in the media for years and if you want to cover a story a local story it's very frustrating when you can't get the bits you need just like a good picture of someone or something you know yeah. or a cover it's very frustrating so I think it's a really important thing uh, to have on a website and I notice you've got you've got your book covers there in all sorts of sizes you've got a picture of you a headshot as you call it on your you've got your bio your author bio and I can tell you as a journalist of 20 odd years you need this stuff and you and if you have right. to go hunting for it you'll move on to the next story won't you
2: yeah, absolutely. If you don't have time, you, you got to move on to, to what's easier. <laughs> definitely.
1: So, um, I, I what I'll do is I'll, obviously I've got links on this on your page, the web page for this uh, interview. But I'll I'll put a link to the press room specifically to save people uh, hunting it. But I think that's a really good example, and it's very rare that you see authors uh, do that. I think so. So well done on I that. I think so too. Yeah, Thank you. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, I noticed also that you do a, a little bit of um, coaching as well. How does how does that work? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I do it actually more in like person. So I do a lot of talks and and different things about what it's kind of gone from more social media based in in the type of community I live in, in the central Minnesota area. There is a lot of, I guess, older people who are, they're they're trying to wrap their heads around um, social media. But then on top of it, I've got the writer community that I'm involved with and a lot of them in the the groups that I'm in are also older. And so trying to teach them how to embrace social media. What is the the difference between LinkedIn and Facebook? What's the difference between Twitter and, um, I guess, any other YouTube, you know, whatever. And teaching them what each one is good for is kind of where I started. I did that for the the women's networking group and a couple of others. And it's kind of transitioned this year now. I'm, I'm doing more about... Um, kind of the psychology of becoming an author. This was something that for the past seven years working on the, the books that I have, I've, I've given a lot of thought to how people embrace or not embrace that, the concept of becoming an author. And so one of the books that I'm releasing uh, early this year in March, it's called author imposter. And it's about getting over that imposter syndrome and trying to, to, Take on the mindset that while you're writing, while you're trying to, even if you're just a, a new author trying to publish, you're still an author. And the sooner you can put that mindset in place, the easier it becomes then to go from unpublished to published because you're you're already in that mindset. You're embracing the fact that you're an author. You're embracing the fact that you are you might be an unpublished author, but it doesn't make you an author any, any less. And so I've got talks set up um, here in March, and I, I think there's going to probably be one later on in in the fall talking about this this concept so
1: brilliant that's lovely and it's interesting how many authors actually do make that move from fiction to nonfiction. that when you've done it a few times you actually do have a, a lot to teach people I think when you, right. when you when you meet newbies they haven't got a clue about any of this have they
2: no not at all and I think mindset for me at least it's so important I've always taken with growing up with a, a brother who had a brain tumor when he was very young and then obviously um passed away from it 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 understanding the mind for me was always something that was very fascinating. And so it just kind of translates into everything that I'm already doing, my, my life as a writer, and then the other side interests that I also have.
1: So... Let's dig into how you market now, because you've already alluded to, uh, we, we've talked about my book cave, but also I know you're on Insta freebie and um, mm-hmm. looking at you, you've got an Insta Freebie author profile, which is great. You've got, you, you're consistent with your branding and all of this. So, uh, but I noticed that you've gone, um, I think, so book one, I think is free on Insta freebie Is that right? Yep. And then book two, this is clever, actually. I hadn't thought about this. This is a nice little technique. You've put chapters one to three as a sample on there. And I think probably you have to do that because you're in, are you in KDP Select at all? Or, is, or have you just done that to get people halfway into the book?
2: I, I've done that kind of, I'm not in KDP Select. Um, it it's Both of the, the last two books are wide, but the it was partially because I didn't want to step on um, Kindle's toes or anything like that, um, Amazon's Toes. or And I, I know that you can probably do whatever you want when you're wide. They, they don't, they're don't, they not as critical. But, yeah, it was more, I think, just giving them that, that entry point into the next book to see if they, they like it or not. I haven't done that with the third book because it's like, okay, if you haven't read the first two, then you're probably not going <laughs> to yes. want that intro. To the Make
1: third your book. mind up. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I don't know that I really want you to read the first couple of chapters of the third book if you haven't read the first two.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: so. yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, so that was kind of the concept there. But that's the only platform um, that I've used where that is also the first three chapters are free. So I haven't done that with, with BookFunnel at all. It's only out on InstaFreebie.
1: Have you got involved in giveaways at all on InstaFreebie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I... I
2: stumbled on those in a weird way. It was before instarebie actually installed the the group giveaway function. and so we we were doing it with um, all the Facebook groups in the background. so as as the groups were coming up with a, a new group giveaway and they were doing it hosting it on their own uh, website somewhere, it was like this whole big, you know, everybody's like jumbled up in someone's website and come, come take a look because all these Insta freebies are out here. Then, then all of a sudden your Insta freebie decided to give us a platform. So that was great. And yeah, so I use that a lot. My newsletters um, go out on Mondays and I always include the the groups that I'm involved in, like at the bottom of my newsletter, because they, I mean, there are some fantastic, fantastic authors and books out there and so many books for free. I mean, or, or reduced prices. They're amazing.
1: And you say you do a weekly newsletter now. I'm, this is something that I'm resolving to do because I've been terrible with newsletters, and I'm, <laughs> go, I'm going to try and do a a monthly high quality one. So, but you're doing it once a week. What what are you sending out in your newsletter? How are you doing that?
2: Um, I I do like a little intro in the beginning to kind of talk about either where I'm at um, professionally with whatever the next book is that I'm I'm working on, or if something fun comes up. I mean, if it's Christmas and we we've done whatever, I'll send like a little picture of something funny that happened or um, whatever kind of comes to my mind, I guess, at that particular moment, I, I want to kind of create a, an environment where my readers know that I'm more approachable. You know, I actually enjoy getting responses from people. And so I, I'll ask questions in that section or I'll, um, you know, say, hey, look, I'm I'm doing a vote. Can send me your vote on whatever this this particular question is or, you know, whatever the case might be to try to get them to interact because it's, it's been really great to, to get to know that people are actually reading this thing. They are, they are actually looking at it. And then from that point, then I'll go into like the, the books. Okay. So this is the series I've got out. I'll have my books and then I'll have an author spotlight where I'll have a list, either uh, one or two other authors where their books are in my um, newsletter. And then from that point, I go into the, the group giveaways and they're just banners at the bottom of my, my newsletter. It's, it's still a quick, quick, easy thing, but it's, gives that that platform of those giveaways, you know, because most of them are asking for, you know, make sure that if you're you're in this giveaway, you're promoting it and you're making sure that other people are aware of it. So put it in your newsletter at least once and, you know, put it on social media. So that's something that I do try to do uh, every week. So that way, and I'm in a lot of different giveaways. So each week, if I didn't do it weekly, those giveaways would like come and go and they would never have hit my newsletter in the first place. So.
1: Yeah, that's a great way of promotion because you can get quickly fed up with pushing them on social media but I think that's a really nice way um, of doing it and interestingly um, I come from an internet marketing background and I've, I've always tended to send out more marketing emails which I don't really like and then somebody somebody who listens to this podcast suggested to me he says I, I do one a month and I just do stuff about me which is what you're doing just about my life and what I'm writing and, yep. and I've, I've put a template together uh, that I could use every month and I thought do you know what this feels so much easier than just trying to flog stuff, it just feels yep. so much more natural for me. So I'm I'm already more enthusiastic about you, about marketing.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so much nicer. And I think readers like that too, because then they're kind of getting to know you a little bit better and they're understanding, you know, what, what you're doing, what you're up to, what you're interested in. And to ask them questions, I think it makes, at least those that are socially interested in responding there's probably those uh introverts out there who are like i am not responding to that (laughs) but i think that those that do i mean it it gives them that platform to be able to to connect and and i i almost always will respond right away unless there's something crazy like i have to drive three and a half hours at four in the morning to my son's lego league championship you know (laughs) it's like (laughs) Uh, then I might be a little bit, you know, zombified. But otherwise, I, I try to respond, you know, within the same day if I if I possibly can.
1: On your website, I noticed that you've got the follow me on BookBub icon. Um, have you had a whiff of a BookBub yet?
2: I have tried once with the first book, but that was before both books two and three were technically out. Because I was hoping, I'm like, okay, well, as they launch, it'd be kind of great if if that would happen. And, of course, it got turned down. <laughs> and <laughs> so they have that waiting period in between. Um, you know when you ask the question and then wanting to do it again, so I'm I'm in that waiting zone, and I'm trying to extrapolate from other authors who have received a bookbub uh, as to like what, what are what have they done differently, what what's different, and I'm getting a lot of information that really it comes down to a lot of like critical reviews. So if you you know if you've got the money for a Kirkus review or something like that, it it makes a difference, and that's something that I'm toying with. We'll see what happens, but. I will definitely be trying again. What kind of review was that you mentioned? The The Kirkus reviews?
1: Kirkus reviews, yes, that's okay, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. And that's yep. where you, just for people who don't know what that is, could you just explain what Kirkus is?
2: Um, well, it's like an editorial service from what I understand, and you can pay them, but they're, they're not cheap. I mean, you pay them a, a, good, a good sum of money for them to review your book, and then they, they send you an editorial review of what they felt like your book accomplished, what it was good at, what it was... Um, challenging for things like that and then you can use that in your marketing materials uh, whether it be obviously a book bub or or in the front of your book matter or whatever the case
1: might be I'll let you into secret I've just recently had my first book bub and uh, my covers were well, well I was amazed and my covers I thought were poor And I didn't have that many reviews on them. Um, they weren't terrible covers, but they weren't great. You know, they weren't, they weren't high quality. And so I was astonished, frankly, that, uh, I had it. But the one thing I'll tell you, I'm only, I only want to tell you this because you've written a trilogy, um, is it worked brilliantly with a trilogy and that I got loads and loads of buy-throughs on the second and third book. So keep, keep pushing for it. And the, the top tip that I would use for you is to make sure that at the front and back matter, of your book that you very very clearly uh, make it really easy to go on and buy books 2 and 3 yep. but it was remarkable the buy through um, from a book bub so if you get one you know
2: awesome yeah and i've already got that set up in fact when uh, the books the next books were coming out i made sure that the front and backs of both uh, or all three of them actually have have links back to to each other but yeah it's, it's fantastic what did you what did you do that was different like did you have any any editorial reviews? Did you have anything that you felt like was this was the reason why it got picked?
1: No, I'm astonished that it got picked. And, <laughs> and I, I've, I've got I've been trying to get my sci-fi on and my, I paid a lot of money for my yep. sci-fi covers and they keep getting knocked back. Um, one of my sci-fis uh, that I really would like to get in has better reviews and more reviews. It, it doesn't now because I've got lots of reviews now. It's been on BookBub. But, but, but it, it only had about 19 reviews of the US, I think, when it went in. And, okay. and the cover that was that was average it was an average well, cover
2: what was what was the genre of the book that you got in it was a thriller okay
1: um so i hadn't my i've got two sci-fi books and i paid a lot of money for the covers and i've i would love one of those to go but they haven't ever accepted those and then wow. the the cheap covers that i had done on fiverr would you believe but <laughs> <laughs> nice. accepted
2: that's crazy oh my goodness well mine is mine is also a sci-fi but it's more young adult sci-fi uh, fantasy dystopia—it's like this weird genre-bending thing. But um, I, I'm wondering if it, it's just such a comp- competitive market right now that it, it's difficult to get in. I'm not—I'm not quite sure what what the sci-fi. Issue is, or maybe they don't have enough people. I
1: don't know. We'll I, see. And I know I've definitely found it harder. But this was the first time of trying with that book. But the other thing to say is that I've tried my standalone thrillers, which are no different from th- this one, and they've been knocked back. They keep getting knocked back. So that okay. does. I, I think if you're giving in a a book that is of a reasonable quality, it's got to be of a certain quality. It doesn't look like sure. junk. Um, yep. Then then it has to at least pass that set of criteria but i think after that it does feel to me quite random and um you know there's a bit of luck of the drawing i think <laughs> right as well. but i i would have to say based on my experience you know don't spend a lot of money on getting an expensive review review because okay I, well i it didn't make any difference for me i didn't need it sure well
2: that's really fascinating to know thanks for sharing that i appreciate that <laughs> it
1: makes me feel a little better
2: because it's like oh really
1: yeah. well hang on oh. to your money yeah
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There, well, it's it's been like the biggest thing. I mean, I, I'm following a huge thread right now in one of the the Facebook groups I follow, and that's been like over and over the thing that got these people in. And I'm like, oh my gosh, really? So it's I, it's good to know that that's not always the case for for BookBub that they're not not quite as. Snubby, if
1: you haven't gotten one of those, I honestly thought it was a mistake. I had I had to read it several times, and I kept expecting them to say, "Oh, sorry, it was this other good book that we wanted to promote, not yours." <laughs> oh my goodness, that's crazy! So, oh, funny. But, but you know, it's been it's been life changing. It's been absolutely amazing. It it's made about seven and a half to eight thousand dollars in two months. uh Absolutely, yeah, nostalgic. absolutely astonishing. Yeah, it's absolutely astonishing. So keep pushing for it, and. Definitely. I'm telling you this particularly because I do believe very strongly that it was only because I had a trilogy that that okay. worked because they they bought through books two and three. That's, that was oh, the secret, sure. I think. That's the magic source. That's
2: awesome. Did you have your first book then free? Is that the one that you got in there?
1: Yeah, first book free, and then I ran in the in the week of the promo, I ran um, a reduction, a countdown deal on books two and three. So if you move fast, you you'd get them at a better price. And then right. um, the interesting thing that has happened though, and I'm not really quite sure because uh, we're t- over two months out now, and, and the sales are still way better than they were beforehand. But people are sure. now buying the book that was for free and I can only assume that's because I've got more reviews and I've moved up the rankings as a result of the book bub so it has had a really right. long tail effect and I didn't expect that I thought I don't know about whether you've done other promos but I expected mm-hmm. the it to just well you said it with my my book cave. I think you know it just stops yep. does not it after a while uh no yep. you were saying it with your first book it after the you've done the blog, blog tours it just yep. stops dead doesn't it and there's a little bit of tumbleweed yeah. blows and that's what I expected it to do and it hasn't done that so um yeah writing trilogies that's my that's my advice
2: for sure for sure and when, one of the things that i was surprised about very similar to that is actually book rebel i one of the book promos that i did for them um was pendamas that first book and i expected it you know once once that promo was finished to to drop off and they have this really great um analytics tool where you can view the insights of what's happened and i mean we're, we're sitting at like a month and a half out i think and I'm still seeing click-throughs on that that book every single day. I mean, it, it, it sure, it had like hundreds, you know, that that first day, second day, third day, whatever, and it kind of tails off, but it, it still does have that tail, and it hasn't gone down to zero any days since that promo happened. So definitely definitely try Book Rebel if, if you're not quite getting your book bub yet.
1: Well, and my other one, I call it the poor man's um, book bub, is Free Booksy. I don't know whether you've ever tried Free Booksy, but that's always done brilliantly for me.
2: Okay, that's good to know. Free
1: booksy, um, yeah, it's the, it's the, it's um it's much less than BookBub, but I um before I had a BookBub, Free Booksy gave me my best ever month before that, and it was about a thousand dollars, I think, in the month, something like that. So it was wow. uh, it was a Fantastic. good yeah, it was a good month. And oh, and the other trick, so I'm sharing this with everybody because I, I just I want to share the good news. The other trick that I do, and I did this with the BookBub, and I do it with Free Booksies, is I follow it up the day after with another book. So you might do free books on day one, which will give you the main traffic. And then you might yep. follow it up with a My Book Cave and a Book Rebel on day two. And what that tends to do, I call it the one-two punch. It it, it gets you high. And then that extra burst usually gets you to number one in your field. Um, just you need that little extra impetus the, the day after the main promo. Um, because I was um, released with my thriller, with a, another chap who was writing thrillers, a, a local chap that I know. He was number one in all the charts on the first day but because I then came with that second punch with the with the follow-ups I then knocked yep. it straight off and he dropped right down and I would hang around for a long time so that's my other top tip is to to follow that's it up awesome. with a you know a couple of second cheaper promos and they will just okay. give you that little push that you need to to get to the top and then it gets its own momentum at that point right
2: Yep. Right. Well, and I've even noticed that even just since the, the, the single one that I had, and I've done, um, I think it's called read freely. So not, not free booksy. So I had to write that one down, but read freely. Um, that they're a good one too, where you can I mean, go into their newsletter for very cheap. It's like $10. So that might be a good follow-up one to do after, um, getting something like free booksy or, or book rebel.
1: I've never heard of, read this is why I love doing these interviews, I've never heard of Read Freely either, so that's going on the list, okay. we're trying yep. that one, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good, sounds good, well I think that, okay. you, know, you have to just try stuff, don't you, and see what works, and free books has always worked brilliantly for me, incidentally with sci-fi as well as thrillers, it works it's worked in both genres for me, free booksy, okay.
2: that would be great to know, what, one of the books that I'm working on right now is actually reading more like a thriller, so that, that's good to know that it works great for that as well.
1: Yep. Yeah. Give it all a try. So there we go. We've exchanged some really handy tips and we've both learned something. Yeah. From to, we? So, definitely. <laughs> that's hey,
2: that's right. the best, that's the best way for it.
1: <laughs> and then talking about learning, then where, where do you go to get your author information? You know, podcasts, books, um, courses. Where, where do you learn?
2: I am kind of a learn from everywhere sponge. It kind of depends on if something catches my eye. So it'll be, you know, podcasts for a month and then it'll be, um, I'm going to take this course because it sounds really interesting, or it'll be one of the things that I've been doing most recently is finding uh, Facebook groups that are just really great. And one of the groups that I'm in right now, I think it's called, um, 20 books to 50 K yeah, or like yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> yes. fantastic. Yeah, I mean, brilliant. there are so many great tips in there. I mean, it's just, I stand back and go, wow, some of these authors are phenomenal. They're just absolutely, they blow my mind. They really do. And so it's like, I'm, I'm kind of a lurker out there. I, I watch and I'm like, I am, I'm going to take in as much information as possible. <laughs> yes. So, but it's, I mean, that's been like, a broad spectrum of things, so it's what, whatever I can get. And I'll I'll even do um, local write up, writer writers group meetups, and try to glean information off of um, the people that I'm I'm working with there too. But a lot of them are not self published. They're they're either still aspiring or still trying to get that traditional deal. So it, there's a lot more that usually goes the other way. I'm usually the one that's explaining stuff or helping them come up with new information, but.
1: How do you think they feel about you now? Do they, they do they view you as an oddity as a self-published author? Are they really interested in what you do? Cause you're, of course, you're selling books, which is what they want to do.
2: Right. I think it's, it's a weird double-edged sword for some. I think some of them are like where, where you do. You just have that like concept where you're not really an author if you're self-publishing. What? But it's because they're in that older generation than the younger ones who they're actually trying to pull into these groups, you know, cause a lot of these social groups that are, you know, where you meet up, there are all these older generations of people who have always done this. And so for them, it's just, this is how you do it. You don't do it through Facebook anymore. <laughs> you know, you do it, you do it in person. Mm. So it, you're, it, it's giving that influx of new ideas that I think opens their mind a, a little bit more. So every time I come to these things, they're just a little bit more educated. They're just a little bit more, um, informed on what, what's actually happening in the book world right now and how different it actually is compared to what they're thinking it might be. And I, I've even seen some of the influence help them where they're, they're not trying to to tweak or to, to edit something to death to the point where they're not actually publishing what they're writing. You know, they, they, there are so many authors, I think, who get hung up on writing the same three chapters over and over again to try to get that perfect um, pitch, that perfect pace you know everything and it, honestly it's like perfect it doesn't exist it's like out there is better than than perfect so they're they're, they're taking that away from me all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm always trying to tell them just get it out there yeah
1: absolutely get the darn thing published and start making yeah. sales any sales and you'll learn on the job won't you Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so what next for you then? You you've got your trilogy out. You're obviously very immersed in in marketing that and making sales. But as a writer, what comes next for you? Right now I'm working
2: on the, like I said the thriller. It's it's called Oracle at the moment. I don't know if it'll if the title will shift or if it's just going to stay Oracle. Probably stay. We'll see. Um I'm about 30,000 words into that one right now and I'm hoping to have that published mid-year. I am also working on that author imposter. So the the majority of that book was already written simply because of the fact that it's stuff that I'm lifting from the court, the online course that I originally had, um, set up. So I'm, I'm putting that together in a a book format and getting everything cleaned up and making it read like a book instead of an online course. And, um, that'll be coming out in March. So that one actually has a pre-order available already. So if anybody is interested in that, it's, it's out there, Um, but beyond Oracle and Author Impostor, I've got another one um, called Awakening. So that one's kind of a more urban fantasy. It, it's like I can't stay in one genre mm-hmm. solely, but it's all going to have like some sort of like paranormal, weird science fiction technology. I don't know. some Something weird is going to go on mm-hmm. in these books. So but I, I have to like dabble a little bit into each one and see which one sticks. So we'll see what happens. But that one is it's kind of a different take on angels is kind of what I'm looking at it as. So we'll see. We'll see how that one plays out. I've got um, about 10,000 words written into that one, but I ended up letting my readers vote between Oracle and Awakening, and Oracle won out by, like, two votes. <laughs> so Oracle's the one I'm, I'm pushing forward with first.
1: Well, you did ask, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did.
2: Well, that one's been sitting out there for quite a long time, so it, it's okay. That one's been, it's been very patient. It was uh, an idea that came about probably right around the same time as Pandamus did, so we'll get it out there.
1: <laughs> well we should finish off by just asking where are the best places to find out about you and do make sure you mention your website because I really want people to have a look at that
2: absolutely well for sure it's my website uh, the majority of the information including where to, to purchase books can be found on my website which is carissaandrews.com that's c-a-r-i-s-s-a-a-n-d-r-e-w-s.com and I'm um, also out I, I like you said before, I have a social media presence. I'm pretty much everywhere. So if you if you were to type in Carissa Andrews on pretty much any social site, you'll probably find me. <laughs> so I'm out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever
1: fantastic that. that that's the way to do it if you're an author you need to be everywhere and be found really easily but you've done a great job of it's been fantastic talking to you today we've both exchanged great tips it's been very useful for me Yeah, me too me too absolutely <laughs> so thank you ever so much for your time it's been <laughs> lovely chatting to you
0: it's been great chatting with you too paul thanks thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys if you enjoyed the show please consider sharing it with your indie author friends Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.